Hello! Welcome back to the Long Distance Love Bombs podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jeremy Goldberg, and today's guest is my pal Nick Onkin. Nick is a photographer, a creator, a hat maker. He's an artist. He's one of these dudes that's just out and out expressive, authentic. He is vibrant. He's a smart, sharp dude. He's worked with a lot of big names such as Justin Bieber, Jessica Alba. He's done shoots for brands you know and love such as Nike and Coca-Cola. He's a dude. And in this episode, we dive into what it means to be creative and how creativity can help us to express ourselves, but also to create the life that we desire to live in. We touch also a little bit about this coronavirus pandemic and how creativity can be a resource to rely upon through these times of anxiety and uncertainty. Nick is a good dude. You can find him all over the internet. And I hope you enjoy this conversation about creativity with Nick Onkin. My format is kind of formatless. In the sense that usually what happens is exactly what did just happen, in which I you know, push record and uh, just start jamming because I've realized that this is probably what it's going to be. So, yeah. yeah, I don't really have bullet points, expectations, anything like that. I like to just engage the guest with conversation that feels like flow. Yeah. Um, things that it. are exciting to you in the moment, stuff that you're passionate about. And then, uh, yeah, if there's anything that you don't want to talk about, I'm happy to not to do that or if there's anything super random that you're really pumped up about at this moment such as potato chips or <laughs> gardening like, well i mean speaking of i'm like into these like paleo puffs <laughs> like healthy snacks by lesser evil uh-huh. <laughs> i've been they're like a problem they're they're a little addiction problem i need to hit them up for sponsoring this episode perhaps like nick onkin ate these throughout the entire conversation it was like crunch, crunch, crunch. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's the gist, man. I like to just have a good conversation. I like to not know really what's coming because I feel like that translates to the audience as well. Um, yeah. We'll just see where it goes. But uh, in saying that, I know that you are a hyper-creative person who's passionate about many interesting things. So I would love to kind of stay in your wheelhouse somewhat yeah i mean we can go wherever we want to go yeah we can, we can talk about creativity hats podcasts photo shoots inner work mm. conspiracy theories <laughs> <laughs> all of it man all of it wherever we want to go the storm that's outside right now yeah new york city yeah so all right nick onkin welcome to the podcast thanks for jamming with me today thanks for having me so for people that don't know you aside from your love of paleo puffs uh, <laughs> how do you d- describe yourself what's your what's your deal who are you <laughs> how do i describe myself oh man you know it's funny like giving your own bio is like feels so weird but i primarily i'm a photographer i've been doing photography for about 15 20 years and I've shot everyone from Justin Bieber and Usher to Coca-Cola to Nike to Reebok. 
and magazines like Connie Nast Traveler and Mary Claire and Cosmopolitan and stuff like that. That's been kind of the big, the last, you know, however, however many years I was a graphic designer before that. And now I kind of just would consider myself an all around creative, you know, photography is now kind of just like a, a, a tool in my toolkit. Um, it's like one thing that I do. It's still the primary passion, um, medium that I choose to create with. And I still love it as like, you know, it's like my primary, it's my primary revenue source. I mean, who knows where it'll go after, after Corona mania. But, um, I also had started a podcast about five years ago around creativity and just like living a, a creatively optimized life. And then I also, and then I started making hats about a year ago, uh, more on the uh, sell them for uh, sell them to other people kind of trick. I was, you know, designing and playing around with them for a couple of years because a friend of mine had a hat factory and then I was working with her and then she closed her factory. And then I just kind of started taking stuff like at my house and just playing around with it. And, and then I'd wear them out and people were like, oh, where'd you get the hat? And I just like, and I finally decided to buy my own, invest in the whole kit to, of tools to start making it myself. And that was about a year ago. And then, uh, so I'm just, I'm doing custom hats for people on the side. Um, probably like a couple, couple hats a month for clients. And then, yeah, I've done some, I've painted murals and artwork and I just kind of create all kinds of stuff. Mm. You're kind of like, so to those listening, Maybe before I describe you, do you mind describing your style or your, because uh, you're very expressive. You're, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not a very monotone individual. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, you know, I would say style, like wardrobe style has, uh, you know, I've never really been like of the trends or of anything. Like I don't have, I probably don't have anything that's like new and hot, but I do think that I like, I love dressing with style and, and my style now over the last couple of years has been very bright. So I wear a lot of bright colors and I've been wearing a lot of Hawaiian shirts the last year because like bright. <laughs> floral patterns and, and they're not just floral yeah. patterns but different patterns and um, yeah i just wanted to like let people get a glimpse in their brains of the visual that you are as we're <laughs> conversing over the next hour or so like you're like you're literally right now wearing like a rainbow colored bright red and orange jumper there's a and your hats have like stars and glitter and paint all over them occasionally paint and they're torched I, I would be wearing a hat now except i'm wearing headphones so i can't yeah. wear a hat and like um, they're vibrant they're colorful you light them on fire they're they're eclectic like yeah. you're kind of that dude that, like you walk in a room and i imagine people are like up oh, there's nick onkin in his <laughs> technicolored raincoat or whatever you know yeah exactly i mean if you if you hop over to the instagram you can see you get a flavor of of the way i dress <laughs> mm. but the hat the hat and long hair is definitely like a uh my signature silhouette yeah i dig it so maybe yeah. that's a good lead-in to uh to conversing about creativity so yeah. like jamming about creativity like what does it mean to be creative what does it mean to live a creative life like how, I'm throwing like lots of random questions, but uh, like, how do you get the confidence to authentically just wear whatever the hell you want? You know? 
feel like it's all intertwined. Yeah, I mean, in terms of wardrobe, I, I for me, just like I feel inspired myself when I'm wearing stuff that inspires me visually. I guess I probably always think in photographs and what I would like think looks good in a photograph. Now I wear um, even even home like I'm like sitting here at home and I'm still probably <laughs> I'm wearing something that's styled out, even though I'm just like wearing sweats yeah. and a sweatshirt. And, um, but bro, but I'm wearing a plain gray T-shirt and a dark gray sweatshirt like that's my version of pajamas or whatever like comfy comfy clothes your version is like a rainbow this is like a difference you know true true you you have a point but i i also have like a uh beverly was at the uh beverly hills hotel themed uh one one piece that i've been that i've been wearing (laughs) that too is on the instagram if you want to see what that looks like visually (laughs) (laughs) um you know but uh, you know funny enough i'm just like i've been wearing this now on the flip side i wear pretty much the same thing like every day i'm wearing either my black sweats or my (laughs) i've Mm. got these new like kind of parachute jump pants but comfort uh, i go for comfort and style you know and i've been doing kind of a self-quarantine like uh, self-portrait project as well so kind of photographing myself <laughs> doing random shit that I do at home in quarantine or just normal life just like so, every day um yeah I, I I was I haven't I did one a few days ago uh I, I did a shot of me actually right behind me here um doing and so I started doing I've been started I started doing these FaceTime photo shoots and so I photographed myself photographing an iPad to tell that story because <laughs> um, I'm going to use it I use it in like a deck of um, like a marketing deck so mm. it'll kind of it shows like kind of what that looks like mm. uh, but I did a shot you know me I have like a workout station here and then like I set up uh, I have a photo studio here I set that up one day and like took photos of me taking photos of myself mm and doing a self-portrait and that self-portrait was actually i think for my new um uh podcast art so mm. everything kind of has a purpose everything kind of has like a, a creative thread to it um mm. and just being able to utilize that imagery to tell stories on the gram and just like conceptualize things and and uh you know we got to be creative mm. here in in the quarantine life yeah so what does that mean to you like how important is creativity to your experience how do you separate that from your own identity separating creativity from my own identity uh in the terms of i mean i guess it probably is part of my identity but it's a little bit more of a way of being for me than it is like an identity piece you know Mm. i think because it is a way of being it becomes an identity piece in the output but for me i think you know i started i started this creative career and this creative journey 20 years ago and one of the first books i read was tim ferris's four-hour work week <laughs> and while i while like his method in there didn't really make sense or pertain to what the path that i was on it still gave me the mindset that i could actually design the life that i wanted mm. and so from there i started okay well how how can i create the life that i want what do i want you know like I want to live a life where I'm making shit all the time and where I get paid to make shit. 
And um, that's kind of where it started, right? So, you know, with that, you got to kind of envision the end piece or uh, whether it's an end piece or a, a bigger goal picture, you know, you kind of break it down um, and reverse engineer it. And how do you design that? What elements do you want in your life? Travel, you know, travel was a big piece of something that I wanted. So that's been highly integrated into how I've built my career and my photography career. My career is, you know, my portfolio and my photography business has been really, really oriented around travel or like geared Mm. towards travel. And, and so I've been able to do that a ton over the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Mm. So, so yeah, I mean, I think creativity is a mindset and it's a, uh, it's a way of being. And, you know, when you're in a space of creativity and you're in a space of creation and this doesn't just doesn't go to, or pertain to like making art, it's, it pertains to your life. It pertains to whether if you're an entrepreneur, it's making, it's creating something from nothing. And I think we're in, when we're in that space, we're in a space of flow and we're in a, we're in a, when we're in a space of flow, we're in a space, we're in the present moment. We're in a space of non past, present, past or future. You know, we're, we're kind of, cre- we're creating in the moment. And when we're creating in the moment, that's when, you know, happiness comes and joy and joy from the inside comes. Mm. And so, how do you kind of do that day to day? Like, do you have little rituals or habits that help you to stay present, stay in the moment? Yeah. I mean, I will say like over the last few years, it's been a little bit more of a challenge, um, just going through some darker times, but you know, I I feel like especially now where there's a big, a big influx of fear, um, that's just been like straight injected into our veins. <laughs> what? Yeah. What do you What do you mean? Yeah, just... you know, the corona. What? Yeah. Um, what? The fear virus. The fear corona. Corona fear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it. It really kind of it. You know, the paralysis. You know, it puts us into a survival space and a survival survival state. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe, or I've experienced that it takes a lot of just personal development work and practices to to pass those feelings through and get to a space where you're in a creative mode mm-hmm. or in a creative state. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, that's things like breath work, meditation reading books, just expanding my mind on different concepts, learning, taking courses online or whatever, and um, getting to a space of, of zero so that you can jump into a space of create creativity. Mm. And so then going back to this idea of surviving versus thriving, is it your opinion then that in order to create, you must be of a thriving mindset or that it's difficult to do so from a place of fear and like insecurity, let's say. I mean, you don't necessarily, I mean, I don't think you necessarily don't have to be in a complete thrival state. I think you can have a creative mindset. So even if you're in a survival state, um, you can, you can be doing things to get to a space where you're creating. Right. I mean, for me, like I've noticed that if I'm in a fearful state, I'm just paralyzed. Like I can't do anything. I don't want to do anything. I'm not motivated to do anything. I'm not motivated to create. I just want to sit down and I want to watch TV. And, you know, I have a fair balance of that now. And I'm just trying to be mindful of, of that and finding things, different things to take my, take me into a space of creation and into Mm. a space of, you know, an inspired state to create, you know? So I think there is, there's a creative mindset that gets transcended across 
survival and thrival. Mm. But I think when you're when you move into a thrival state, you're kind of getting out of your head and into a flow and into a space of of really thrival creation. Mm. What does that mean to you, like thrival creation, in, in terms of like a ideation or like the muse? You know what I mean? Like, what what do you, how do you see it? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's just really being inspired and getting, you know, like it's that spark of motivation and inspiration that you get on a project. And I mean, you know, to the point where you activate on it, you start creating and you get into this mode, into this space. But I think it really comes down to like, oh, I, you see something, you, you get inspired to create something. And I think that's where that's the beginning of it is that spark mm. of inspiration. The seed. And then in my experience, it's, trusting that and acting on it almost immediately i find before i can have my fear and judgment set in yeah yeah and like getting to i guess into the creative state without getting the editor or the critic running but you know that's also a battle in and of itself <laughs> is, is, yeah. the, is the inner critic and so i think you're alluding to there the idea that we're kind of schizophrenic and that we have various voices in our heads is that is that fair? <laughs> that's that's very fair. <laughs> the the monkey chatter, the monkey brain, the monkey mind, yeah. Uh, yeah. that just like will nonstop, just like. I actually I interviewed Jeff Brown a couple weeks ago, and he was like, "We need to. It's not about quieting the monkey mind. It's about getting into the monkey heart." And I'd never heard that description before. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so he was all about getting into the heart, getting into your feelings, getting into your body is that authentic expression, so to speak. And yeah. I really like that. It was like, a, it was like shifting the battleground, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, what does that look, what did that look like to him? I would have to go through and listen to it again, but my recollection was, um, the core of his teaching revolved around expressing unhealed pain and trauma and that uh until we can do so until we can really express our feelings and be comfortable with our emotions until we can be good at being then the doing and the living sort of is like the wrong thing to be chasing yeah 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 no i think that's a lot of what i've been you know i guess in a different way kind of talking about is like the space of creation and flow is getting past the survival and that survival Mm -hmm. is like the subconscious programming from our past childhood traumas that we just like hold on to and the way that we operate from Mm -hmm. and you know when we can kind of do the work to get through that stuff and heal from that stuff we can get into a freer a, a freer space of creation so you're somebody that's done big shoots all over the world. Like you've shot Justin, shot Justin Bieber and stuff. Like when you're on a shoot or you're trying a new endeavor, do you still come up with those same voices? Like, do you still feel the resistance or like the second guessing or the I'm not good enough? Oh man, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it is especially heightened when when working with somebody like that, where mm-hmm. you know they play at such a high level and like they have such a high level of circle around them in the in the aspect of of talent and people that they work with, and so it's it's definitely easy to second guess to to um, really doubt 
you know, I've definitely experienced a lot of self-doubt, mm. um, I, you know, and across the board. Uh, I mean, not just with people like them, but like in general, I think there's it's easy to in a space of creating, you know, in a space of the moment to. Yeah, to like find that where that self-doubt comes up and like mm. gets into your head um, and you just kind of have to like trust and surrender you know, for me, I think a, a practice that I've been practicing like over the last like year is really just kind of taking a moment um, earlier in the day or right before the shoot just to like kind of surrender that to the universe, the higher power that exists or whatever. Because it is, it really, you know, otherwise it just creeps in and, and sometimes falls apart. Yeah. I think it's, it's very supportive and encouraging, I imagine, to a lot of people hearing from a professional like highly renowned photographer that you still have doubt and fear and <laughs> judgment on yourself you know like how do you deal with that so you said like before the shoot uh you kind of calm your mind and sort of release control or surrender do you see that as like a vital part of the practice that um like being okay with the uncertainty of what might unfold yeah and i think it's just had it's almost a form of prayer whatever you want to call it i don't know it's just like i've been trying to reframe my whole perspective around that stuff and mm-hmm. um you know i can't you know part of it is also has come from a space of i was my career really took off and i was doing a lot of big stuff and and then as the industry like a lot of stuff has shifted in the industry and um i started losing a lot of jobs and my my business almost crashed hmm. and i got to this space where i just kept losing you know bid after bid after bid after bid for just no apparent reason it was just like i whatever maybe the universe was just trying to teach me a lesson or i don't know i don't know what it was and it just like you get pounded down so much i got pounded down so much i just felt like discouraged and it it just pushed even more self-doubt into my own um world and i had to kind of i went through and that was i went through a really dark time a couple of them the first one was kind of when all this stuff started crashing down and then i did like this emotional intelligence and leadership training workshop out in la and that kind of like gave me a new frame of life so to speak in the conscious the five percent conscious space of of your thoughts and your limiting beliefs and things like that mm-hmm. and it gave me a different context so from there i started exploring and going down a deeper spiritual rabbit hole of how you know just like ego versus awareness and how much you know how much your ego needs to be fed uh to feel okay and i realized like how attached to my work and who I was shooting and what I was shooting was where a lot of my self-worth was coming from. And so when that started to crumble, I started to crumble. And mm-hmm. that really shifted, you know, that's where I had to kind of dive in and, you know, create myself, start creating myself again. And I took take that emotional intelligence leadership training and then start reading books and doing different things to mm-hmm. create a newer version of myself. Otherwise, mm-hmm. what are you going to, you're just going to fall apart. If you don't, yeah. if you don't keep in mind the everyday cre- recreation of yourself or evolution of yourself, then what? Then what happens? You know, fall. not good things. Not good things, <laughs> right? Yeah, but but it it sounds like 
you were doing a very common thing, which is to kind of validate who you are based upon the things that you do or the work that you do or who you know or how big of a presence you have on social media. I feel like these things are super widespread. And uh, and it sounds like the universe gave you a little dose of humility in not giving you all those photography bids. And then you were kind of like confronted with this new reality that who you are is not what you do yeah absolutely i mean it 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 really was it's very easy to do it's very normal it's very you know Mm. subconscious normal to just take that kind of stuff that's like the egoic sense of things and Mm. when we live in our ego i don't know what this stuff was before when we live, when we live in our ego, we're living in a space of what you know. Our ego is what we, our identity here on this planet, in this as, in this human form, and we need an ego to operate in this world and operate with other people and just like in this in this three D space, um, you know. But when we become our ego, it's a uh, you know it's a dangerous space because it needs to be fed, and the more we we base our self-worth and our our ego off of external things such Mm -hmm. as our work our you know creative output who i know our social media following whatever that is and when that goes away then we go away essentially and we get crushed because we believe that's who we are Mm -hmm. but if we can do the work read the books do the go to therapies do whatever it takes to kind of you know get ourselves away from that concept and and get to know who we are as a spiritual being then mm-hmm. as a as an awareness a soul or whatever you want to call it um then that's where we can and learn to be happy and and love ourselves just with who we are versus our external external validations i love that And I'm curious how you balance that in your industry, which from my outside perspective is about creating art, creating photographs that capture moments and beauty in the sense that in theory present people in a good way, right? In like a healthy, vibrant uh, brand image kind of way. Like what's the juxtaposition between those two things? (laughs) (laughs) great question great question because it is you know i think you know i've shifted a lot from doing commercial work and all that stuff into a space of uh personal branding for entrepreneurs so i do a lot less commercial work these days which is um to me you know i've done so much of it i've kind of been there and done that and done a lot of it so um you know now i work with more people that are putting a message out there and I think to, you know, see people in their best light and help people see themselves in, in a best in their best light and communicate that to their audience, I think um, is kind of where I've been finding that kind of bridge, right? It's it's the bridge between you know, there is some of that glamour to it too. And I mean part of it is just aesthetic beauty and you know, that's okay. I don't think it's mm. like a, a bad thing. I think, you know, it's when you're, when people are consumed by it um, and, 
you can tell, right? Like you can, you know, I think there's a, the people that I work with a lot, I mean, are, you know, they're not always, they're, they're putting a good message out into the world and, mm. you know, to, to be able to help them grow that message and share that message with their audience is, is kind of where I've been going, you know? And I'm, and mm. honestly, I'm like still trying to figure that out. You know, yeah. I don't think there's like a straight answer to that question. Um, Cause yeah, I guess the the way I look at it or approach it is uh, it's going back to this idea of you, like you-ness, so to speak. So if I see an image of myself where I'm like, you know, dressed nice and I have a facial expression that shows an overabundance of glee, right? But it feels contrived or faked or forced, then I'm kind of like, nah. Versus like a candid shot where I'm wearing whatever and I'm like at my highest authentic expression of true joy. Um, it's almost like a, trying to balance what is real versus what is, you know, forced or, um, you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's kind of an internal gauge as well. And I think for, for people like me, you know, like you can, like especially with advertising, it's we fabricate stuff all the time. You it's know. like entirely fabricated. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. Whereas shooting portraiture, which is what I'm doing a lot more of now, is really more about pulling that person's essence and energy out. Mm. So it becomes a lot more authentic if the photographer is sees that, right? Like, because I think the photographer, it's what the photographer sees in that person. The photographer's right. vision is really a reflection of that person, of the photographer, of that person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an inception in a way. Like you're <laughs> seeing the person, but that's not the real person. It's the version of them that they want to be seen as or something. Yeah. You know or what I mean? or what is it that I'm pulling out of that person or what mm. what will that person give me um, as a subject, as a, as, as a, you know, yeah. if, if I can pull a certain amount of, of energy out of that person, um, maybe that maybe that becomes authentic right or maybe it's just maybe it's not as about the energy maybe it's mm. about capturing them in a, a solemn moment or you know when i do these personal brand shoots i'm i'm still learning this is kind of like i'm building this as i go but like really it's about building the shoot around that person so telling that person's story whether that's their expressions and their joy and their outgoing personality or maybe that's like their solemn or their studious side where they like read a lot of books or maybe it's like they love their family they're a family person and so it's photographing them with their family and capturing the joy that they mm. experience with their family which i've done that before as well and um you know sometimes it's like them speaking behind a podcast mic because that's you know they're they're a podcaster and so mm. kind of you know sometimes it's like it takes some there's some different different tricks that you can do to make it like capture that right moment but you know i kind of i've kind of built my photography my photographic vision on capturing moments and sometimes i'll get people into a space where they create a moment and then i capture it mm. um so it almost seems like safety is a core you know element of your toolkit in that you're creating a safe space for them to just be whoever it is that they are deep down in that moment yeah yeah it's really getting them to be who they are and then pulling that piece out of them mm. to put it on camera to like accentuate that so there's a lot of 
you know, there's I, I guide and direct people when I'm on set to kind of be who they are and show mm. me who they are. And then I can capture that. And like yeah. sometimes that's maybe capturing their higher selves. So when they look at that photo, they're like, oh, wait, that's me. Like I can, mm. I am that, you know, and if I can reach that, you know, cause we all bounce up and down from our, like to our highest self and to like, not our highest self. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm aware of that. Yeah. I've, I've felt that. <clears throat> yeah. Um, like we can create moments of aspiration for ourselves just through a photograph. Yeah. We, I actually think there's a lot of overlap in the work that I do working with clients and coaching people whether that's at retreats or workshops and that it's about like creating safety for them to just express truth. And in the work that I do, that truth is often like auditory of like, like, how do you feel? What do you want? What's your big dream? You know, what's holding you back? Um, but at the core of it, it's about who they are and how they're showing up in the world. And I suppose it's the same for you. Um, you're just sort of capturing the visual representation of that truth. Yeah, I mean, no, it's interesting that you say that actually, because um, now that I think about it, really, it really is, you know, coaxing people to like come out and like, and then like creating a space of non judgment for them to actually feel okay mm. with that and be seen. Because then I can mm. capture it when they're not, when they, when they feel okay being seen, or I can see them and capture that. And, right. you know, Cause and, you'd have to have an interaction, right? Where you're like, hey, what if you did this? Or what if you put this on? Or what if you stood there? And I imagine they would be like pushing back at first, but then part of them is like, yeah, that'd be cool. Like, I want to wear that. <laughs> I want to wear that gold jacket or whatever, you know? Yeah. And there's, a, I mean, there's definitely like a constant, like, oh, hey, one share that. Uh, it's like, I'll direct a lot. And mm. then, especially if I, if I get people moving and direct them to do different things, they kind of start to get out of their head. And then they start to become more like themselves. Yeah. Which is also interesting, but I'll like, oh, try this on. Oh, maybe let's try this. Okay. Like, don't do that. Let's do this. Move over here. Do this. Jump over there. Okay. Go over here. Stand up here. <laughs> you know, and it's kind of like this constant, like, da -da 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 -da. and by the time, like, they're like doing all these things, they kind of loosen up and they forget that they like don't overthink it. Mm. Yeah. You're almost taking away their. Um, like their free will, <laughs> just like, <laughs> no, you don't get a choice. Just stand here, do that. And then that part of the brain kind of jumps in a hammock for a moment. Yeah. And then they're just actually being in the moment. Yeah. Like they don't have to make decisions. Absolutely. Well, and I'll also preface them to say, you know, feel free to play around. And like, cause the mm. more that you bring to the table, the more that we have to work with. Um, and if I see somebody do something a lot of times and it looks good, then I'll encourage them to do more of it. Um, mm. and then we start to work with that and then like, it just kind of like moves back and forth and then I can pull something out of them. So, um, that also is a piece of it too, but a lot of times people just don't know what to do. So they freeze. And so I've got to give them direction and get them started and get them moving and get them to a space where they're mm. feeling free to play around, to goof off, to have fun, to be themselves. And because most people are very self-conscious of the camera and, you know, something I like to preface also is that everyone takes a bad photo we just throw them away <laughs> so yeah we we i take a lot of photos we throw the bad ones away so that you know it's just it's like what's part of the failure right it's part of that you like fail enough and then we just throw the failures away and then you, we, we pull out the good stuff 
it, that to me is like the core of the creative process. Absolutely. Whether, whether it's painting, singing, you know, writing, whatever. It's just, uh, it's almost like people, or I, I, when I first started, had this vision that the great writers, because that's my medium, I had this perception that the great writers just sat down and knocked out a masterpiece, <laughs> you know? And then I started reading books and listening to podcasts, and it was like, oh, it's really hard for all of these people also. Yeah. Like, oh. Oh, they have days where they <laughs> don't want to show up to work and they don't want to write and they judge themselves and tell themselves that they're terrible. Like, oh, this is actually just what it is. Yeah, it's really like a process of refinement. Somebody I just I posted on Instagram and asked today and somebody or I posted on Instagram. Somebody asked, um, how do I find my creative voice? And I was mm. like, well, you know, I think a big piece that's the same kind of process right like you just have to keep creating and creating and creating and creating and then you start to pull thread lines of things that you gravitate towards things that you love things that you don't love you axe those out and then you kind of start moving you push forward with the threads and the themes that you do like and but you have to just mm. you have to create a lot of work to mm -hmm. really get there yeah so yeah I, th I, I look at it like you find your voice by using it like the end and maybe at the beginning uh i found that my writing voice was kind of borrowed from all of my favorite writers and so i guess when you don't my, my experience when i didn't have my own unique voice as yet or i wasn't quite comfortable communicating in that way i kind of was adapting to people whose voice i admired or respected and then as time went on and I created more work, then my own voice kind of hybridized in certain percentages of all of those people and then was mine. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I kind of started out the same way. I think most artists go through this cycle and you go through, I think you go through this cycle many times throughout your, mm. your career where you start, you, you imitate and you mimic from other people that inspire you. And then as you start to create from within that, then you start to discover your own hybrids and thread lines and you kind of, move into those and then mm. it becomes you know you know you're not going to copy somebody but you're going to kind of f find an iteration of of something that inspires you and then you do what you do to create your own version of that mm. and then eventually yeah. like you find your own voice through that yeah i almost reverse engineer sentences or pages or like why do i love that phrase mm. like like what is it about this sentence or, or that verb that I like really am drawn to, right? And then I try to sort of hack writing in that way. Yeah. Do you do that with photographs? Like, do you see an image sometimes? And you're like, there's something about this that I adore, but I can't place. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of a whole exercise that I have given people before is like go through go through magazines and pull out images that you love and then start to look at them and say like, okay, what do I love about this image? Oh, is it the, mm. the lighting or is it the styling or is it the, the, the person in the photograph? Is it the location? What is it? And then kind of start to analyze what those things are. And then how can you bring that into your own work? Mm. You know, even if it's just one element, it doesn't have to be necessarily the same thing, but like, you're like, Oh wait, I like that location. What can I do with that? Mm. How can I bring that location mm. into my next shoot? You know, but then yeah. I'm using a completely different talent, wardrobe, whatever that is, you know, and that's into a whole, that's kind of like, a, depends on what type of photography you're, 
you're utilizing but um you know you really kind of when you get into that stuff you're building out a photograph when you get into editorial world you're building out a photograph versus really just like capturing what's there so can you expand on that a bit for those who like myself who who aren't clear on what an editorial means yeah so an editorial is like a photo that you'd see in like vogue or vanity fair or any sort of fashion magazines um where you'll see say like let's just take for instance say uh like gq magazine Mm. you know they'll do like they'll take a celebrity and they'll do a six-page story with them um well that whole concept is it's they come up with the concept the idea and then they pull together the elements the production and the elements to create those concepts so like would an idea be let's make justin bieber a cowboy for this shoot or something like that yeah exactly so what does that take right okay well we need um we need to find a ranch so let's like Mm. somebody find a cool ranch that looks aesthetically cool go lock that down that that ranch location probably costs five thousand dollars for the day Mm. and then say a horse a horse and then like what's the styling you know then then we have a stylist goes and pulls the clothes of like the cat the western look right and then Mm -hmm. he comes to set and he tries them all on and then his hairstylist you know or we get a cowboy hat you know we put a cowboy hat on him and then Mm -hmm. we put him on the horse say like on this ranch and then then we then we come into the actual capture of the moment where the photographer is directing him and and telling him you know what uh which way to look what to do Mm. um and those are a little bit more manufactured i mean you can still create some authentic moments within that but like that's you're creating the concept and then building that concept whereas Mm. if i just went to a ranch and captured you know i could go to a ranch and capture a cowboy on a ranch and like Mm. it wouldn't be justin bieber on a ranch but it would be a cowboy (laughs) on a ranch right unless he was just there i you know there's so many there's so many little different things like i've shot let's see just give you an example i shot like you did that one with lewis in like a hot air balloon or something is that an example of that oh yeah that's a perfect example so that this was an example of a personal branding shoot with lewis where he was like well let's what can we do what's the next how can we up level what's the next what's our next shoot and i was like well, I gave it some thought, and I was like, I've always wanted to go to Turkey. <laughs> um, and so I was like, but I mean, no, this really actually fit. I was like, well, why don't we, have you ever heard of Cappadocia? And he was like, no. I, so I showed him some photos, and it's like all, like, it's just like this magical place. It's like way out in Turkey. It's 150 hot air balloons in the in the air every day. And I was like, well, what if we did you, what if we shot photos of you, like with all these hot air balloons in the hot air balloons, you know, with the whole idea of rising to your greatness, right? Just like kind of how do we play that concept into it? Um, We didn't necessarily have like a specific shot that we were going for, but the whole concept was, was there. And so we built, that's how we built the shoot was like concepting the idea around rising to your greatness build it putting you know like we shot on a rooftop ho- of a hotel that's like very famous out there we got into the air hot air balloons and shot from within the hot air balloons with other hot air balloons out around um so just kind of like really conveying that concept hmm. was was our goal so that's and so we built the shoot around that we like booked like three days in cappadocia 
and then booked a hot air balloon the first morning um, to fly up in. And then the next two days we had his backups to be able to like go and like we got up every or like at sunrise at like 4 a.m. every morning and went out to different places to shoot him in with balloons everywhere behind him. Mm. So that was like another concept there. Isn't that fun? Like that's your job, you know? <laughs> Do you ever have these moments where you're like, I'm at work right now, like in a hot air balloon in Turkey, all you know? all the time, all the time. <laughs> I mean, we were in a like before Ist- or before that, the day before in Istanbul, we took a helicopter. So I shot him on the tarmac. I was like, let's do let's do some like kind of Bond type of stuff. So he wore it. We got him in a tux and we shot him on this with this yellow helicopter. And then we took the helicopter around Istanbul and had like a 45 minute flight. And I shot some stuff in the helicopter. And then most of the stuff was on the tarmac just with the helicopter mm-hmm. in the background. And him hanging out around around the helicopter. Mm-hmm. So... Um, some fun fun concepts to build out every every shoot's completely different too so Mm. but it's about like it it communicates an emotional feeling when you see these images right it's not about just looking pretty it's like a whole story in one scene absolutely i mean there's an aspiration Mm. to it right like everyone you know a lot of people look up to Lewis in the entrepreneur space, right? Cause he's always pushing people to rise to their greatness and like greatness is his brand. So, mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of like this, you know, that's the concept that we kind of ran with. And so there's aspects of it. So it's like where it's like him really small in this like vast, amazing landscape. Cause there's a, gr- a feeling of greatness. Right. And so when somebody sees mm-hmm. those images, they feel that, right. They feel, you know, with the hot air balloons, you feel kind of that rising feeling. And that's, you know, that's the concept that we wanted to draw out and concept mm-hmm. around. So, yeah, everything's different. The first time we shot, we shot in Iceland with him kind of like running around these vast, big landscapes. Because I think that just represents mm. greatness and it gives you a feeling of greatness. Mm. Love that, man. What's something that you're kind of leaning into as your next evolution or kind of challenge at the moment (laughs) is it just surviving the quarantine because you're i mean we should say that like you live alone in like manhattan is that where you live i live in brooklyn okay yeah so you're like living alone in new york there's a lot going on at the moment we're we're, uh, recording this like mid-april end of april how are you doing? Like, what's uh, <laughs> is this enough of a challenge for you? I mean, it's a challenge. Luckily, I've have got a little bit of money in the bank to be able to roll for a couple months without making any money. So, um, but you know, that doesn't mean like I can go that long. I still got to figure out what I'm going to do, and if I can't shoot, mm. I don't. Who knows when I'll be able to go out back out and reschedule these shoots and make money? So that's like that's one thing. And then who's going to be able to shoot after this is over when the economy crashes, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the next step is. I don't know what I'm going to do monetarily. I don't, I have to like figure Mm. out some sort of maybe other revenue stream Mm. that's not reliant on me having to be there. You know, I love photography and I'm always going to do it. I even started doing these FaceTime photo shoots, which just as a personal project for now till I can build a business, um, I'm, I'm building a business structure around it or trying to, or trying to figure something out. Um, but that's just been a fun way to create and, and a different 
it's like a different medium set uh different variables but to at least stay creative uh, but you know <laughs> i wish i had an answer for you because like i don't yeah. know what this looks like and it's like probably the most uncertain point of of space because we just don't know what it's going to look like after or when after is even going to be you know is this going to mm. be two months is this going to be a year mm. i don't know and you know <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah and like perhaps that is the edge or the the new project right is accepting a tremendous amount of uncertainty and and learning to be okay with that and I speak for myself as well and, and probably most everybody listening. So. Yeah. Well, and it's like, I want to find something that it's like, I'm passionate about. Cause funny, I was just talking to Connor about this yesterday. I was like, I, if I'm not passionate about something, it's not in my zone of genius. Then I just mm. like, I have such, it's like, it's like a real job. It's like hard to sit down in front of a computer and just like work. I have such a hard time focusing because I'm better at creating. I'm better at having conversations. I'm better at making stuff. Mm. Or that's like yeah. kind of where my, that's where I flow. That's where my zone of genius is. And, you know, but then there's all these other things that I have to do at this moment in juncture, especially because I've had to cut off any outgoing non-essential spending. Uh, so I can't, you know, there's like, I can't delegate that out. You know, I can't delegate <laughs> right. stuff out when I have to put all my money into like paying my fucking rent, you know? Yeah. Living in Brooklyn. <laughs> Living in Brooklyn. The shit ain't cheap. <laughs> yeah, man. I think you've nailed it. And I feel like, uh, I, I mean, I relate to that. Like, so everything's just different now. Yeah. And I've been kind of considering how addicted I was to normal and to, um, to all the little miracles that were happening every day that I just overlooked and didn't, and took for granted in a way. Like I was, uh, I was joking with my girlfriend last night and, um, we were talking about something extremely basic, like a month ago, such as like, going to a restaurant and a yoga class or something. And I was like, oh man, remember when we had choices of, of places <laughs> and we like, we had places to go to. And then, uh, and then we would see people in those places and we had choices <laughs> about which of those we wanted to go to. <laughs> and like, I, uh, it reminded me of a few years ago, a friend of mine was a yoga teacher and she went to a class and, and, uh, and the yoga teacher asked her, you know, or the whole class to focus on something that they're grateful for. And she focused on options and she came back and told me about that. And I thought that was oh. such a beautiful, um, thing to focus on. And, and the way she expressed it was that if we have options, then we're abundant. Yeah. And like, and the fact that we have even two options is a gift. Um, it means that we have opportunity like we're not forced to do anything that we we don't want to we have choice and i keep coming back to that this is kind of a long soapbox tangent thing but i keep coming back to that idea that you know we do have options at the core of all of this uncertainty like we can choose to go for a walk we can choose to listen to a podcast we can choose to do some somersaults like whatever no that's beautiful i love that we yeah. do we have options that's one amazing thing to be grateful for amongst many others yeah. but um and like 
I really miss places. <laughs> like beaches. <laughs> I do miss and That's okay. <laughs> I miss airplanes. That's really weird. Yeah. Traveling, right? It's interesting to think on the other side of this when when life does get back to some semblance of what it used to be, like how we all collectively, I hope, will appreciate just the most basic shit of like like remember when we used to shake hands with people? Right? Remember like, remember hugs? Remember hugs? <laughs> I don't, but <laughs> Yeah, man. I was I was visiting my mom's house the other day and I was standing like you know, seven or eight feet away from her and it was just so surreal. Like remember? That's so strange. Remember hugging our moms? Right. Like Yeah. So wild, know, man. So wild. It's the weirdest. Yeah. But we have we have options and I think the fact that we do have options and the fact that we do have some sovereignty over our experience means that we can choose to be creative in times of stress or struggle or yeah, you know, panic. Yeah, I was just way. totally going to say that. Like, we, we have the option to be creative. Like, we have the, like, mm-hmm. you know, I might be in this space where I have to, like, figure out what I'm going to do, but I have the option of being creative and figuring something else out, right? That's, like, still a mm-hmm. mode of operation. It's still a possibility is being mm-hmm. creative even just like creating new business. I've had to do that. I had to do that two years ago. And like, I, you know, oddly enough, I just got my re my business kind of to a good groove and then, <laughs> then fucking COVID happened. Mm-hmm. So, so now I'm like, do I have to really do this? <laughs> <laughs> right. Like that was so hard and tiring and stressful. Exhausting. <laughs> yeah. But it's also evidence that you can do hard things, right? Absolutely. I think, I think that's a helpful foundation to build upon as well. And, and for anybody listening, it's like you have a history of surviving I mean, heartbreak, let down, you know, yeah. mistrust, shame, all of it. Like we got through. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're, we're, we're tough. It's, it's in our DNA. You know, we've survived for billions of years. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's in our <laughs> DNA. We've got it. We can do it. We will do it. And, uh, you know, who knows how real this, these numbers are anyways. Oh, that, so now you're, that was the opening door to a rabbit hole. (laughs) I see what you did there. What? What? I mean, what is this virus anyway? I read a website that suggests. (laughs) (laughs) I actually just watched this. Um, it's not, it's not on, uh, on iTunes. It's, uh, called hoaxed. Uh, and oh, yeah, no, Ryan Holiday's in it. Um, Jordan Peterson's in it. Like, and they basically mm-hmm. just talk about how all the news is manufactured. It didn't go that deep into like rabbit hole conspiracy stuff. It was just basically like, yeah. you know, the news thrives off of, you know, they, they need to like have clicks and like, that's how they get their views and their ratings mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And so everything is that's covered is very, very basically like geared towards, um, spiking those, those numbers and, clickbait mm. and all that stuff have you ever watched the newsroom no oh my god it's such a good show it's an hbo show written by aaron sorkin came out like a few years ago uh, you probably saw that clip on facebook where uh with jeff daniels and he's like america is not the greatest country in the world and i'll tell you why that's the opening of the, yeah. the show and it's 
I mean, this show is so well written and it really shows okay. like the, the news going from very investigative journalism to the second season where it shifts into becoming clickbait. You know, they, they, the only way they can survive and get advertisers is through clickbait and just getting as many eyeballs on the pages. And so it just watered mm. down the actual like quality of what they're reporting. And, and it was it was very fascinating. The, the mm. morning show on Apple uh, with Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a new show that just came out. It, there's also like some of that that's like that story that's been told on that show. That show's amazing as well. It's, mm. it's more than... It'd be fascinating to like interview somebody who's in the know, like somebody that has like 40 years of experience on the front lines of being a news reporter, programmer, or something like that. Totally, totally. Yeah, super interesting stuff, but... Yeah, that was the lightest, the lightest of the stuff that I've <laughs> gone down. We don't need to go down the rest of the deeper stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, brother. Well, I feel like that was a solid conversation. Is there anything that's uh, bubbling up for you that, that needs to come out? Anything we've overlooked? Or? I don't think so. Unless you got any more thoughts. Oh, man. I mean... We could jam indefinitely. I've got quite a lot of time on my hand. <laughs> <laughs> Don't really have anywhere to go, per se. No, just... Uh... But, uh, like, what advice would you give to to someone listening that is, uh, is feeling stuck, uh, doesn't feel inspired, lacks creativity, but really wants to change things in their life or the work that they're doing? Like, where do you start? Oh, man. <laughs> Should we just do another podcast and just start it? Start again? Maybe, maybe. I mean, I feel like I'm partially starting there. I think a lot of it is just shaking shit up, you know, get a new, you know, try new things, try new mediums, try different mediums, you know, like that's how I started doing all these other things, like making hats and painting and, and podcasting and all this stuff was because I was getting stuck creatively in photography. And so I was like, oh, maybe I'll try this or maybe I'll try that. And I just kind of, you know, I, I did this like 100 day project doing hand drawn type. On, I did it on Instagram. It's like just an experiment. I ended up developing a whole kind of handwriting style out of it. And, you know, ended up doing murals out, or like, yeah, did murals and paintings out of it and stuff like that. Um, public murals, uh, things like that. So you never know. I mean, like play, you know, especially if you've been creating with one medium for a long time, it's actually a lot easier to learn other mediums. Uh, you learn a lot faster because you kind of already have an understanding of how to learn a process or how to Mm -hmm. learn a medium. So, um, you can figure out the tools, but I think you already, you know, for me, like having a creative vision or creative style overall has just allowed me to create cool stuff in different mediums different mm. plays from hats to paintings to whatever so yeah and i kind of would i love that and i would add to that um cultivate a lack of care for how it goes like uh like minimize your expectations in a way especially when you're beginning just like just do it for the fun of it because i feel like we all have something deep down that's whispering at us like hey buy some paints or you know <laughs> Learn to ride a unicycle, which is what my brother is doing right now in the quarantine. Um, ordered a unicycle on Amazon. So, like, we all have these little nudges. It's just about kind of letting ourselves fail or just experiment or play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. especially now, because, like, if we're all in quarantine, then, like, 
you know, well, most people, like some people, some of, yeah. you know, some of us have to kind of do some certain things, but even still, like we've got a lot of time to practice, to play, to read a book, to like learn something new. I mean, take this time and really value it. Um, and I've, mm. and that's something that I've, you know, I've get I've gotten sucked into a lot of TV shows and, you know, you know, it's kind of like, am I getting sucked into consuming and just like checking out or am I actually like enjoying these things that I'm watching? And I think that's a delicate line to kind of pay attention to mm. and to create awareness around. Cause if you fall into a space of just like consuming beat for the sake of consuming and and eating up mm -hmm. time that you could be doing other things then maybe that's something to to think about oh instead of watching this show i can go do a meditation or i can do i can go play around with this medium or take this course and do something more productive than just like getting sucked in and and mm -hmm. killing time yeah yeah it's a good point i guess i mentioned before we started recording that my my thing that I did last night was to sign up for the Fender app has three free months of guitar lessons. And so if you've got a guitar or an ukulele sitting in your house, you get three free months of guitar lessons on Fender right now. Oh, like, snap. So just throwing that out there. I, I, I'm not sponsored. I get no money off of that, but I think it's cool, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Why not? Why not try to learn something? Take care of your health too. I mean, yeah, we yeah, we didn't even dive into that, man, because you're such a big optimization nut. I really am. Like, I really am. I'm actually. I think I'm getting like thinner and more fit being in quarantine because I'm actually home. I'm working out every day. I'm drinking like this superfood protein shake every day and like eating like just steaming vegetables for dinner. It's like yeah, yeah. It's, uh, like. Do you want to touch on that briefly? Do you have a few minutes to talk health stuff? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What kind of what what are your thoughts on health? And I mean, just like I always just like to know what other people are doing and taking and like prioritizing, you know? Yeah, so for me, um this is a good Well, like so sorry Nick, to jump in. We have a mutual friend Jenny Sansusi who has a book that just came out about CBD medicinal mushrooms. And like that seems to be the new craze, right? Is like, oh, mushrooms are super healthy. So like now we gotta take mushrooms. So like that's one example. Yeah, that's one example. So um and I'll probably shout out a few awesome brands too, just that I love. Mm -hmm. Because it's like you gotta like know the quality you have to have find good quality brands as well, because a lot of this, mm. these supplements are just like watered down bullshit. Mm. So uh <laughs> Superfeast is this amazing brand from Australia. Um, and they do all kinds of stuff from, from mushroom blends to, they have a nootropic called, um, neural nectar that I really love. And it's, it's not like, it's not like alpha brain where you get jitters like this is, it's like a little bit more of a steady focus, um, which I should probably like triple up right now on. Um, <laughs> but you know, I'll do, I'll do protein shakes and I'll put like, um, I use on it protein, like uh, plant protein based powders, uh, four sigmatic um, mushroom blends. Mm. Um, and then I'll use some of the blends. There's like a Jing from Super Feast, which is like a, an herbal. It's like your chi. They have chi and Jing, which are kind of like your, your life force um, herbs. And then they have like ashwagandha and um, shiz Shizandra, stuff like that. Um, and then. 
I'll put like spinach and bananas and uh, chia seeds and goji berries and cacao nibs and spirulina and all these things into a you know now I got myself a Vitamix been been blending that up so that's almost yeah. like my morning ritual is like I, that's just mm. like making my my protein shake my uh, smoothie and packing myself full of goods but especially now um vitamin c and vitamin d i've been doing a lot of listening to a lot of different doctors and stuff like that and do you follow do you follow dr shiva no he's amazing um just found out his stuff he's actually running for senate but he he actually wrote the code for email when he was 15 years old and then now he's just like he went from like an engineer to like a medical doctor science scientist or something like that and now he's running for mm. senate because he's like going against all this uh you know he's you know his whole thing is like why are we why are we not talking about immunity um and building your immune system because that's the biggest thing that's going to help you against the virus and mm. so he just did a thing on vitamin d so vitamin d is huge um in terms of like helping deflect the coronavirus and then vitamin a as well and vitamin c mm. so um i just jumped into i just found this this brand called uh, lipo naturals it's a uh, liposomal vitamin c which is supposedly better than an iv drip because it has less sodium in it but it acts kind of like that apparently it's like this nanotechnology vitamin c you just drink it it's mm. like you know it's like it comes in its most natural purest form um, tastes mm. like cardboard, like soy. <laughs> However, it stays. So what it does, and like when you take a vitamin C pill, it, your mm. body just takes what it can and uh, can absorb, and then discards the rest of it. Whereas this, it basically goes into your bloodstream and then like disperses it throughout the day. So mm. you're getting them like all the nutrients and like the most that you can out of it. Mm. And so they're seeing this, you know. Uh, this utilized in healing you know helping heal people and not only with like this virus but like with cancer and all kinds of different things wild so yeah so actually another person to follow is my friend chef shine chef underscore shine she's i call her like my my health oracle <laughs> she's a she's a nutritionist but she she researches all these different supplement brands just brands in general she's like actually a mm. nutritionist consultant to like a lot of big celebrities and stuff like that so um her she's very well researched and so i i, mm. I find a lot of the information that she puts out there very very um very good so i take a lot of that stuff i mean as far as what i take that's that's kind of supplement wise what i'm into mm. mushrooms are very good for building the immune system specifically turkey tail and uh jenny get jenny's book um the rebels apothecary she like explains about how all that stuff works mm. uh, but i i learned about I, I actually originally met her because my mom got diagnosed with cancer back in september and so she was giving me some like just kind of her thoughts on you know how much she put her dad on uh you know mm. CB, he had she had her dad has stage four pancreatic cancer and she put him on a on a cocktail of like turkey tail mushrooms and cannabis so thc and cbd uh mm. mixture which and he's like strong for two and a half years later still going strong um and he's been through like 50 rounds of chemo uh, because mm. of the, you know like this stuff has helped him get through it so so much interesting stuff on the health front yeah have you met uh rob graham 
No. Do you know Rob? Mm-mm. He's a, I got to introduce you. He, so I had Rob on the podcast. I actually had just, just had Jenny on the podcast too. Oh, nice. Um, but so Rob Graham, he, he's in New York. He runs this thing called Fresh Med. He's a, a Harvard trained MD who went back and became a professional chef. Uh, oh, cool. And he's all about the idea that food is medicine and medicine is food. Uh, really interesting cat and super fun. Just a good human. Love that. Uh, and I should preface or I should, uh, whatever the opposite of prefaces after the fact, say that Nick and I are not MDs. Don't listen to us. We're a couple knuckleheads <laughs> who are are doing our best. Do your own research. Don't ingest anything without consulting a professional uh take it as gossip or lies exactly (laughs) don't don't do anything that that uh that you haven't researched yourself absolutely absolutely so yeah we'll get that just covered covered our asses you know for sure that's probably a good thing to do yeah uh (laughs) you're a gem man uh where can people find you how can they have you thought about just going like doubling down on your hats like can you just be like a hat guru now um like i can not really yeah not into i it. mean no i mean i'm open for business your hats are very i've, I've seen uh you got you sold one to jackson and mark yes i saw those yes. on the internet they, both, they are both wonderful customers and it sounds like they're very happy but yeah, so on the interwebs <laughs> at Nick Onken is my Instagram N I C K O N K E N. All the links there are, are pretty much from my profile there. Uh, Onken Hat is the profile for Instagram, and um, I would just yeah go there. You can get to the link. The link tree has like all my websites and everything, so much mm. easier than just you trying to remember all this stuff as I say it out. Yeah, that's. Yeah, or just Google his name, Nick Onkin. The, I feel like you've probably got that cornered. Then there's that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I uh, sincerely appreciate your time. It's been fun connecting with you about creativity and health and creating a vibrant life. And uh, hopefully one day we could both be in the same place with people. Absolutely. And uh, I'll get to see you again, man. All right, brother. Thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. That was fun, right? A little deep dive into the creative process of an artist. I love hearing how people interact with the world around them. I love learning the things that they eat and see and do and say. It's fascinating to get an inside perspective into the mind of a hyper-creative artist such as Nick. And I hope that you use that as inspiration to create something yourself. There is time and space to do so, even if it's five minutes a day. You can carve out some time for creativity and play. And that totally rhymed. So yeah, get creative with your life. Remind yourself that you are the author of the book of your life. You are painting the empty canvas of each and every day. You have what it takes to make some changes in your space. And I look forward to seeing what happens. Thank you for the messages. Thank you for the the emails. I appreciate you sharing this on the internet. And truly, truly, it does make such a difference if you would leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or whatever you're using. It helps me to get guests. So then I can say, look, I'm good and legitimate. Please, will you talk to me? 
and then I get to have conversations that you listen to. So it's a win-win. I appreciate you. I adore you. I am grateful for your support, and I just hope you have a good day, you know? I hope you smile a lot. I hope today is the day that Santa puts you on his good list.